Hello Buglers before Andy gets on with Bugle 4100. Uh, this is Chris from a kitchen in England. Uh, thank you very much for all your donations to keep the show going so far. Uh, you can help keep us alive by going to thebuglepodcast.com and clicking on donate. And you'll no longer experience any adverts on the show except this. I don't know if this counts as an ad or not. Buy things. Buy things now. Right, over to the tour wankers. The Bugle, audio newspaper for a visual world. For the first time in Chicago. Hello, Minneapolis. Thank you, Denver. So uh, this uh, this show here tonight in Portland is doubling up as uh, at least part of issue four thousand one hundred. Uh, of the Bugles, uh, the world's leading only and possibly best audio newspaper for a visual world. There, for those of you not listening before, there have not been 4,100 episodes <laughs> of the Bugles. That would be basically almost one a day for the entire history of podcasting. Um, also, a quick bit of, uh, further bit of housekeeping. Um, this venue does have a two-laugh minimum. Um, <laughs> So anyone failing to laugh at least twice during the course of the show will be asked to leave the venue at the end of the gig. Um, As indeed will uh, everyone else. It's the 7th of March, 2019. Uh, Well, uh, you have just cheered. uh, By cheering the 7th of March, you've cheered the anniversary in 1799 of Napoleon Bonaparte, pictured there, capturing uh, the city of Jaffa in Palestine and brutally slaughtering 2,000 Albanian captives. You have cheered that. You love unnecessary conflict. This is America. You just can't help yourselves. You've also cheered the 500th anniversary of, in 1519, Hernan Cortes arriving in Mexico and starting plundering the wealth and resources of the Aztecs and murdering the local population. You've, You've cheered that. So was that all right? That was all right with you. You've also cheered the birth in 1788 of the prominent pioneering French scientist Antoine César Becquerel. You've cheered that. There he is. Uh, you've cheered that. Uh, and but what he did sadly later die. So um, um, you are honestly, you people, honestly. Also this week uh, it was World Rare Disease Day. Um, <laughs> uh, yesterday in uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Let's hear it for rare diseases. Um, yeah, uh, yesterday in the, the show in Denver, uh, a woman cheered this raucously, and I said, "Why did you cheer that so loudly?" And she said, "Because uh, I don't have gonorrhea or." Uh... You don't have gonorrhea or what? You have to confer on the other one that you don't have. You don't have gonorrhea or what was the other one? I don't remember, but I just. Didn't but you do have all the other diseases. <laughs> Anyway, to mark Rare Disease Day, we've got a special Bugle giveaway, and we are giving you a free dose of a rare disease of your choice from the following options. Uh, Arachnophobicophobia, um, in which you are afraid of people who are afraid of spiders. Um, Spicer-Huckabee syndrome, in which you gradually uh, start to regret working for a Um, um, (laughs) 
Tele- oh, this is a particularly serious one in America. Televisual novitially aggravated spontaneous centro-digital inversion impulsionism, in which whenever the news is on, you are <laughs> compelled to flip a bird at your television. <laughs> and the most dangerous disease of all in 2019, hope. So, uh, choose your... Um... Some sections of the bugle are going, where? The They're going, where? Correct, they are going uh, in the bin, and um, in the bin, uh, we have, uh, for your delectation, in the bin this week, uh, to start with, Portland, or a special section on Portland, Oregon, your, uh, your home city. Do you, do you like living here? It's a good place to live. Um, uh, I was just reading about uh, Oregon. You had a, a crack at being an independent republic, apparently, for five years in the 1840s. That's all. They only lasted five years. Let me tell you, America, independence never works out. Uh, <laughs> just to give it time. Obviously, the most uh, thing Portland is most famous for is this. The, uh, an old, defunct carpet. I mean, obviously, you got, rid of the, you got rid of the Portland carpet and then the following year, Donald Trump was elected president. Join the f***ing dots, people. Well, that wasn't doing the local economy any good, the Portland carpet. Did you know that the, uh, the local economy in Portland and the surrounding areas of, uh, of Oregon, uh, that carpet was costing your economy $132 billion a year and people just staring at it, just <laughs> staring lovingly at your carpet. Um, I think what the Portland carpet shows <laughs> as a historical... Uh, story is it's a big problem being a country as young as America <laughs> when a 30-year-old carpet becomes <laughs> like Stonehenge is for Britain. <laughs> I mean, in Europe, we have like, two and a half thousand-year-old temples that people use as urinals. <laughs> I think. Or maybe I just took a piss on the Parthenon. I forget. But anyway, look, I forget. Also, in the bin this week, we have a... Uh, well, here's another one. This is Know Your Country. Now, um, <laughs> special commentators, uh, it's very important for you to know about your country. And um, uh, the, the tech here... So are, you, are you from Minneapolis, or did you just live there for a bit? I'm from Minneapolis. From Minneapolis. So we've got a special Minneapolis, or St. Paul, obviously, the Twin Cities. But do you know which is which? How much do you know about the other major cities... In your country. We're going to play Minneapolis or St. Paul. I'm going to show you something and tell you about it. You have to tell me if it's from Minneapolis or St. Paul. So uh, we'll start with this. This is a picture of the um, 45th largest city in America. Is that Minneapolis or is it St. Paul? Minneapolis, Minneapolis correct. It is Minneapolis. So 1-0 to Minneapolis. Uh, now, beheaded by the Romans in <laughs> 65 AD... On the orders of Emperor Nero, is that Minneapolis or St. Paul? St. Paul, correct, it is St. Paul. Very well done. This place loves sports and is home to Target Field, home of the Minnesota Twins baseball team. Is that Minneapolis or St. Paul? Correct, 2-1 to Minneapolis. And now, incorrigible letter writer who famously penned off epistles to, amongst others, the Corinthians, the Ephesians, his auntie Pam... Um, who got a bit lonely but always wrote back. Uh, the Damascus Highways Office, compl- office complaining about the state of the roads. Um, he also wrote to Roman history writing celeb Pliny the Elder, asking for an autograph. 
And he wrote to cereal manufacturers trying to win competitions by finishing sentences like, I love Judean chuckle corn pops because... Dot, dot, dot. <laughs> is that Minneapolis or is it St Paul? <laughs> right, OK, so we're getting towards... Uh, so it's two all now and that's got... Oh, we're out of time. It's two all, which means we have a sudden death overtime tiebreaker. As this morphs into something different from what it started as. Who's going to win Minneapolis or St. Paul? It's going to be judged by who has the more down-to-earth, believable, credible boss. Is it Minneapolis, current boss, Donald Trump? Or is it St. Paul, whose boss was famously God? So who is more realistic and down-to-earth out of those two? Let's find out. And the winner is... God! God is the winner. <laughs> and uh, so that's a win for St. Paul. And there is, uh, there is St. Paul. And uh, oh, St. Paul, hang on, what's that? So he's got, he's got a bit of a message for you, I think, here in Portland. Hey, he's flipped you the birds. <laughs> St. Paul has flipped you the Vs. Are you going to take that line down now? Right. <laughs> well, I enjoyed that maybe more than you did. So, um... And it is now time uh, to uh, introduce our fantastic Bugle co-host for today's live Bugle here in Portland. And uh, we, are, we are about to try something... Truly incredible here, within, uh, well, context, and uh, here it is. Let's see if, uh, if this is going to work. Is this going to work? Here we go. Alice Fraser! Hello, Andy. Hello, Buglers. How are you? Okay, hang on. I, I thought you were in London, Alice. Well, where, well, that doesn't look like London to me. Oh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm reporting here from the midst of Portland in 1898. As you know, I'm from Australia and have therefore overshot the time difference significantly. <laughs> um, so I've accidentally arrived <clears throat> quite a long time before the gig is meant to start. Oh, boy, I thought modern society was unwelcoming to female comedians. I cannot get booked here except by a lady calling herself Syphilitic Mary, the town slut wrangler, and she won't accept occasional Bugle co-host as a reputable writing credit. <laughs> On stage, but there's, there's, uh, there's, uh, Hi, how are you? <laughs> I mean, who are you? I can't see you. I know I look like I oh, can. Oh, hang on. Well, Alice right, is down the other end of this, of this video camera, so you can all wave at her. Okay. Everyone wave at Alice. Oh, that's... Just... This is Portland, um, and that's you on the screen. You are oh, absolutely f***ing enormous. Um, <laughs> Don't fad shame me, Andy. <laughs> but you are quite literally currently big in America. Now, um... <laughs> right, I think it's time for our uh, top story this week. Oh, no, hang on, before you do that, I always forget this bit. It's America. What have we got to do before you start anything in America? National anthems, that's right, uh, that's right, before we start. So please, everyone, please be upstanding for the national anthems before the Bugle Live. Uh, on your feet, Portland! Everybody up! Everybody up! Unfortunately, uh, we don't actually have very much time for this, so we've got to get through it quickly. In fact, for all the national anthems before today's Bugle, we only have um, 18 seconds. So uh, we're going to have to crack through them. And national anthem for Alice, for me, and for you as host country. Here we go! One. Oh, I'm still European for another three weeks. Right, you can sit. Um, there we go. Very important. I don't know. Um, 
Uh, um, national anthems are a bit of a curious thing for me. I'm, I'm not a mass, massive fan of the British national anthem, which is essentially appealing to a deity that most of Britain no longer believes in, to save a woman who already has the best medical care and security detail that money can possibly buy. These are wasted words. If only we'd been singing God Save Our Industrial Sector. We <laughs> might not be... Uh... And your national anthem is essentially all about blowing Brits up, isn't it? From, a... <laughs> isn't it from uh, 18, 1814? Is that right? What was it? Where, where was it? Was it, was it? was it a siege or something, was it? Sorry? Siege of Fort McHenry. Siege of Fort McHenry in 1814, which was part of the War of 1812. So... <laughs> Well, you join that one unusually early. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, what's that? What, the Australian national anthem is basically just kind of s- smiling. I mean, it was it? going to be waltzing Miss Matilda, which was a very popular song about a man who stole a sheep. Um, <laughs> and then they decided that that wasn't quite respectable enough, so they went with the most boring song in all of history. <laughs> That's what national anthems are all about. Um, I mean, they would have found that funnier if they knew anyone outside their own country. <laughs> Alice, this is one of the bits on the edge of America. It's not the bit... <laughs> uh, right, it's time now for... Uh, now we've done the national anthem, it's time for Top Story this week. Right, uh, Alice, uh, you're bringing us the top story this week. One of the most momentous pieces of news in the history of this planet. Yes, in important evolution news now, the missing link has been found. Dr. Sidney Tam, a scientist at the Marine Biological Laboratory, has made a really spectacular finding in his work plumbing the depths of the salty ocean. He has discovered a creature with a transient anus. (laughs) Sorry, hang on, a what? A transient anus, an anus that appears only when it is needed before vanishing completely. So... (laughs) Jellyfish are famous for their complete lack of features, including, the, including being notably anus-free, but Dr. Tam has discovered that the warty comb jelly, or sea walnut, isn't a jellyfish at all because it has an on-demand streaming service, an occasional <laughs> anus that appears only when it's needed, like Batman or Buttman, if you will. I won't, but you can if you like. We can no longer write the warty comb jelly off as just another buttless blob floating anus and fancy free through the watery deeps of the briny seas. Now that we looked further into its ephemeral anus, we realise it represents a critical stage in evolutionary history. It is the missing link, the yeti of the anus, the bridge between the butthole-free jellyfish and us, the butthole beings. (laughs) Did you just use the word... Sorry, did you just use the word bebutthole? Yes. I was so happy with that. <laughs> I think it's, 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 isn't that used in like the Fourth Amendment or something? I can't remember. <laughs> its its fleeting state of anus should be an inspiration for those of us who would like to go back to simpler times in our evolutionary history, times when we could make fleeting use of a momentary anus and then move on with our lives, not haunted by the constant presence of a vulnerable back door. <laughs> We poor species permanently adorned with the enduring sphincter, the uncomfortable reminder that not all progress is good, should lord Dr. Sidney Tam as a hero. He has left skid marks on the pages of science, plugging this... (laughs) Plugging this gaping hole in our sphincteral history with the poop of knowledge. (laughs) 
He will receive a lifetime supply of poisonous jellyfish and a 12-bum salute. <laughs> Alice Fraser, ladies and gentlemen. So, um, I mean, here's the world. The world, as we know, is full of assholes. Um, and um, I think, I mean, this jellyfish clearly could be, I mean, it could be very much, very, so there it is. I mean, that... I mean, a giant arseless jellyfish, I think, is probably the best solution we've yet come up with for all the... Uh, the um, a, a transient anus is such a bizarre... I imagine that's what you are all hoping your president will prove to be in the, the history of, uh, of America. Um, in, in my head, the, the transient anus has a little uh, bag on a stick over his shoulder and he just says, I'm just passing through, man. <laughs> Don't thank me. It's my job. <laughs> well, I wonder, I mean, there are clearly. I mean, it's there are parts of the human uh, body and anatomy that come and go according to necessity in this similar way. For example, the part of brain which remembers crucial pieces of evidence or truly appalling behaviour in court cases. <laughs> um, um, there's. Um, have, have we got any more on the uh, arseless jellyfish? Or should we move on to other jellyfish news, Alice? We could move on to other jellyfish news, but I was just looking at the internet today and I realised it is also International Women's Day, Andy, a day in which you suggested the lead story should be the discovery of a non-jellyfish with an ephemeral poop shoot. (laughs) Well, sorry. (laughs) We can't just get rid of the patriarchy overnight, Alice. (laughs) No, no, I just wanted to take a moment to celebrate International Women's Day, which is a beautiful day in which women and men and non-binary persons all over the world display their appreciation for the women in their lives, in history, the women out of whose vaginas they platonically emerged or into whose vaginas they non-platonically would like to enter. You know, it's a perfect day. It's the day in which people of the world argue vehemently about the parameters of the abstract and flexible latticework of gender and biological sex into which we are attempting to scoop 51% of more than 7 billion people. (laughs) That was a very lucid sentence for, I believe it is, 4.35am in London. (laughs) So, um... In uh, other, oh, which je- is to say, I didn't write any jokes on the second jellyfish story. Sorry. All oh, right. Okay. Uh, so, um, <laughs> well, uh, jellyfish could solve this. Could solve the issue of plastic in the oceans. Um, uh, this, I mean, this is quite exciting news because there's no fucking way we're going to do it. Um, human, we're so bad at solving the problem of plastic in the oceans. Uh, whales and dolphins have come up with a scheme of just trying to eat the problem away, but that's. Um, that is short-termist on their behalf. Uh, I mean, some people like to see... I, mean, I know you, I mean, your president is not the most committed environmentalist, um, if I may quote the International Society of Vast Understatements. And um, uh, he did recently say in a speech uh, that we need to get it in perspective and that uh, more than 90% of the ocean is still not plastic. So we need to try and keep some kind of perspective. And here we have the little bits of plastic off the tops of beer. Um, but let's look on the positive side. I see that as uh, just S&M kit for sexually adventurous terrapins. <laughs> uh, um, but a German company has been uh, has made a, a microplastic filter using jellyfish mucus. <laughs> Isn't science fun? Um, well, I think it's great. I think it's about time some of these other species started doing their bit for the environment. Why is it always us that has to clear up our own mess, these f***ing freeloaders? 
In Bees Can Do Maths news now, researchers at the RMIT University in Australia have discovered that bees can do maths, which raises a lot of questions about the intelligence of the insect world and whether we have underrated the sentience of all of the horrible tiny creatures we're probably about to be relying on for our sole source of protein if the environmentalists take away our beef burgers. (laughs) Also raises questions for me about what kind of maniac scientist decides to do bee maths experiments in the first place. Where's that eureka moment? Is it, oh, my God, I'm covered in bees. How many of them are there? I wonder if they know or what. I mean, we do need to get it in some kind of perspective. How good are... I mean, bees are good at maths for their size um, compared with humans (laughs) of similar dimensions. Um... But, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, they're really not. No bee has ever got a degree in maths uh, from a top 20-ranked university in either Britain or the USA. Um, No bee has had a major mathematical law named after it, whereas loads of humans have. We have the De Bruyne-Erdos theorem, both of them human, not bees. That's 2-0. Euclid's theorem, the ancient Greco-Egyptian, the father of geometry, or Big Popper Angles, as he liked to be known. (laughs) He was not a bee. He was a human mathematician, like so many of the best mathematicians. (laughs) Hilbert's axiom was named after David Hilbert, who was German but not a bee, and uh, was never recorded as having flown around someone's picnic buzzing and trying to steal their jam sandwiches. And also, Hilbert lived to the age of 81, and that's older than the average bee by almost 81 years. (laughs) And uh, here's a little fact about bees. In a recent scientific survey, it turned out that 37% of all bees were, in fact, Amazon picnic drones. Spying what people are eating, that's buying everything. I mean, sure, Andy, bees are better, are not as good as humans at maths, but they are better than some humans at maths. Honeybees, according to Dr. Adrian Dyer and his research, can understand the concept of zero and learn to correctly indicate which of two groups of objects is smaller, which is really hard to do for humans, especially when you're trying to figure out the size of a crowd at an inauguration. <laughs> <laughs> On which subject? I think it's time to move, move on, on now. Yeah. Oh, so what was that, Chris? Move on, Andy. Okay, I will move on. Good point. Right, um, keep it. He runs a tight ship. Here we are. America news now, and um, oh, well, so how is America going? Would you say out, out of ten, how do you score America right now, Portland? Negative five. <laughs> I mean, let's get things in perspective. I mean. 1914, France scored only 1.2. So, um, um, uh, let's uh, try and keep... I mean, clearly, it's been quite an exciting day uh, today. Here we are. um, There we are. Paul, Paul Manafort. Um, He was... uh, He seemed to get a rather unsevere sentence. um, And a curious one as well. 47 months. And um, do, do you think that was rather lenient? I mean, the the judge in his ruling did have some very harsh words for Manafort, uh, said that he was a, quote, very naughty boy. Um, Had to go and think about what he's done. And, um, I mean, trying to get it in in perspective, I was reading an article on the the website of The Guardian about uh, a a chap called Timothy Jackson who was given a life sentence without parole for stealing a jacket worth $159.00. Um, Manafort is having to pay back $24 million uh, 
um, that he'd fraudulently acquired. And presumably that is only the tip of the iceberg, even if we take that as what he essentially stole. Uh, and you applied the same equivalent. So even if it's a 30-year sentence for stealing a $159 jacket, Manafort, on that basis, would be facing 4.7 million years in jail, <laughs> rather than 47 months. Um, and he's not come across as particularly racked by regret um, for tax fraud, bank fraud, conspiracy to defraud the USA, witness tampering. He's basically been as remorseful as a dog that stole a packet of sausages and was then punished by his owner by being forced to eat another packet of sausages. <laughs> um, but it does mean... Uh, there he is with, uh, with, um, uh, with Donald Trump. What was Donald Trump's uh, reaction to, to Manafort's conviction? This is what he said about it. Stupid... Laws, they make my life very, very difficult. <laughs> and uh, what's, uh, as a, I, mean, I mean, he's not going to take this line down. What's next on his agenda? I want to repeal and replace our laws, Mexicans, women, and our constitution. <laughs> so, um, uh, here's a fact uh, that came out of the, the Manafort. Do you know there are now more people in the American prison system who used to work in the Trump White House? than there are people in the American prison system who previously also used to be in the American prison system. Uh, that's a little joke about American reoffending rates. Um, it's a niche market, but a ticket sells a ticket sale. Um, so clearly, uh, Trump has... Uh, well, I mean, there, there he is after the failed recent summit. Uh, your president there, and next to him, a man chosen to represent all of humanity. Um, <laughs> And uh, here's, a, here's a little uh, question for you now. Uh, who here knows the number of current investigations into Donald Trump? Anyone? 27. 27? It's not an auction, but... Um, <laughs> I see it basically is an auction. Um, <laughs> um, let's, uh, let's find out. It's 12. 12,472. So what makes that so amazing, Portland? Is that I've just told you that your president has 12,472 live investigations into him. It's clearly a lie. But none of you have said, no, Andy, that's incorrect. <laughs> You've just assumed that it might be... <laughs> it might be right. It might be the actual number. That is not... That's uh, <laughs> incorrect. That, in, that number is, in fact, the number of runs scored by the England cricketer Alistair Cook... Uh, <laughs> who recently retired from international cricket. That's what he scored in his uh, test match career. In the, uh, <laughs> what are you booing that for? Why are you booing? <laughs> what? You don't like cricket? What the, why the f*** not? It's the greatest thing ever invented, Portland. <laughs> right. Okay. Alice, you probably couldn't see that. But I, no, what's I happened here? What's happened here is the greatest heckle in history. This, this has just been rolled onto the stage. Yeah. Thanks for that. Can I just ask? I mean, it's the first time someone's rolled a cricket ball across the stage when I've been on stage. Um, a, where did you get it? In Portland. You got it in London. So that, I mean, you've planned this. <laughs> this is... Did you fly to London? Just to buy a cricket ball. All right. You know, he came from London. 
You could have just dropped it off. You could have just left it there. So well, let's look ahead now instead of looking uh, looking backwards and sideways and inwards uh, to uh, 2020, uh, the 2020 election. There, some of the candidates have already declared. Uh, so, who, who do you think is going to win, Bernie? Um, so, uh, I mean, I think he's an interesting candidate, a uh, good candidate. I mean, I've been looking at a number of the candidates, um, some of whom I, I don't entirely believe in. Um, uh, Bernie Sanders, good candidate, interesting candidate. I think an even better candidate than Bernie Sanders, though, is the idea of Bernie Sanders. <laughs> that's a tremendous candidate. Uh, could go all the way. Uh, Elizabeth Warren, I guess the question does arise, is America ready for someone who thinks democracy can and should work for everyone? It's a big f***ing step. Um, um, Amy Klobuchar, if I pronounce that right? Um, who has been described as Trump's worst nightmare... <laughs> I hope he has worse nightmares than that. I hope he is haunted by himself. Um, John Hickenlooper, obviously made up. I mean, this is the thing. I mean, I want to look at Tulsi Gabbard. That's the kind of shit I make up on the bugle. That's Pete Buttigieg. How, how is that pronounced? Buttigieg. I mean, that is what B U T T I G I E G. That's just someone who fell asleep on a keyboard. Uh, Demolius Flartage the, from Mid-Dakota. He's got a chance. Pinicius Trouch. Uh, he's interesting, <laughs> interesting campaign. He's pledged to do absolutely nothing, um, which presumably will make Congress spring into action and do loads of stuff. Um, for, uh, Tom Brady. Um, he's just announced uh, ideal, ideal for the Republicans. He's high profile, famous. He's hard to take down, and he's a proven cheat. What more do they want? Um, <laughs> Grover Cleveland. Grover Cleveland's back. He's going for number three by Ouija board. Um, and uh, very excitingly, uh, we are delighted uh, today uh, to announce, uh, Alice and I, um, uh, the launch of the Zaltzman Fraser 2020 campaign. We are standing... We are standing for president with our uh, campaign slogan, Better Lies for a Better America. Everyone's going to lie to you during the campaign. You might as well get good lies that make you feel better about yourself. So, um, um, I mean, sure, I mean, this is a campaign that seems des- doomed to failure. It's an Englishman, an Australian woman. That's not traditionally a successful ticket in American elections. But there are no certainties in politics anymore. Who'd have thought you would elect... <laughs> anyway, um, <laughs> you can finish that sentence on your own. So, Alice, uh, will you get us started with some lies for 2020? Yes, I'm going to abolish all gun checks and all gun licenses. Free guns for all, but all bullets will be replaced by flags that say bang. There we go. That's the perfect compromise. The only other compromise I can think of on the whole Second Amendment stick, other than applying the Second and a Half Amendment, which seemed to fall on the floor in 1791, which was clearly, as time goes by, apply common sense, you f***ing idiots. Um, uh, was to fit all guns with a special device so there's a 30-minute cooling-off period between pulling the trigger and the gun actually firing. So, here's a lie for you. I want you to spread this around America throughout 2020. Some immigrants are magic. And if you smile at one or lick them on the ear, they will make you taste the taste of strawberry whenever you look at a truck. Now, now there's been a lot of lies told about immigrants and most of them are very negative... Tell some positive lies, for f***'s sake. Just get it out there. 
I also do think we need to grow up about immigration in our two countries, particularly when you think of all the doctors countries like Britain and America have stolen from, uh, from other places. I think most illegal immigrants only come to our countries to see their local GP. So... <laughs> Alice, next lie. Yes, uh, national swear jar. You can call people online, but every time you do it, you have to pay a dollar. <laughs> I think that will wipe off your $22 trillion national debt in about a month. Uh, such as the internet. Um, uh, the environmental lobby, there's a lot of lies told about what the environmental lobby wants to do to you, and we'll come on to, uh, to, to some of those lies uh, shortly. But what, this is what the environmental lobby really wants, is for everyone in America to own a solar-powered pogo stick that will enable them to boing across America at 140 kilometres an hour. <laughs> and also they want to replace all fossil fuels and instead uh, power the American uh, electricity grid using sexual tension which they will hook up all teenage boys in America to the national electricity system and a load of French teachers. Um, Don't know what that says about French teachers you've had in the past, Andy. (laughs) Absolute freedom of religion if and only if you can pass a basic logic and comprehension test. (laughs) Oh, that is long, long overdue. Yeah. Believe what you want, but you have to be able to read it out loud. <laughs> um, uh, I think uh, I'm going to pledge more great Americans because uh, there's two. Uh, I don't think you need more because you're quite a young country. I think you need to steal some from uh, other countries. So, so I'm going to announce that the uh, ancient Greek science star Archimedes was actually from Utah. The uh, also American, the great Italian fresco painter Giotto, the Australian cricket legend Don Bradman, and the prophet Elijah. Um, <laughs> he uh, was, in fact, a professor of uh, prophecy at Umist. Um, and um, Florence Nightingale, now American. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, one more lie uh, uh, that I will uh, say. Well, virtual reality headsets for all. I think this is the only way we can bring, we can have harmony in the world, is if everyone gets their own virtual reality headset and can live out whatever fucking future they want. <laughs> and it's basically just, it's just, an, it's just, it's, it's really the logic of the wall applied to individual heads. <laughs> and also, spread this, if you let women control their own bodies and wombs, chicken nuggets will become 36% cheaper. <laughs> Get it out there. Also, I will declare war. That's how all American candidates have to promise a war. And I will declare war on dinosaurs. Because <laughs> you've got to have wars in America. That's very much how you define yourself. But wars, the best war. What is the, what is the best war? The winnable war. And what is the most winnable war? The war that has already been won. So, <laughs> down with dinosaurs. Um, right, it's time to uh, move on. That's the uh, breaking news. Some breaking news just Maybe skip this bit. Sorry, what was that, Chris? Maybe skip this bit. We can't skip it. It's in the PowerPoint presentation and I can't change it. (laughs) Right, we have now. It's Bugle co-host video time. To start us off, Tom Ballard. Hello, Andy. Hello, American Buglers. And f*** you, Chris. (laughs) Or as the Americans say, f*** you, Chris. (laughs) Andy, thanks so much for smuggling me into the United States as an illegal immigrant. I really appreciate it. And I'm pretty sure they'll be fine with it. They seem pretty chill. Locke Zoltzman up. Locke Zoltzman up. Just kidding. 
I'm actually here in Australia, where everything's going really well, except for the fact that everything's either on fire, underwater, or dead. We're still stuck in a shitty drought, there are bushfires going on in Tasmania, there's floods in Queensland, and in January, in Lake Menindee in western New South Wales, we found a million dead fish. Either that's an ecological crisis, or bloody Jesus is up to his old tricks again, going f***ing mental trying to feed the multitudes. Piss off, Jesus! He's flipped a double bird at the J-Dog. Would you believe it? Not even Jewish. Um, <laughs> anyway, Tom Ballard did all his own graphics. Look at that, super effort there. Piss off, Jesus. There go, anyway, despite all these bad things happening to our environment, our Minister for the Environment, Melissa Price, former lawyer for the coal industry, hasn't really been saying or doing anything at all. In fact, the National Director of the Wilderness Society referred to her as the Invisible Minister. I have a question for you, Andy Zaltzman. If the world were to elect an international minister for the environment, who do you think should fill that position? (laughs) That is the way to pose a question. Alice, any suggestions for international minister for the environment? Yeah, give it to the bees. They can do the maths and they've got skin in the game. (laughs) Good point. Um, Just quickly uh, on the environment, another big environmental story. They're coming for your burgers. This is uh, what the green lobby's after. They are coming to take your burgers. Don't believe me, believe the great environmental scientist that is Sebastian Gorka, former White House aide, now uh, great environmental scientist. Was it him or was it Leon Trotsky? Can you tell the difference? I'm not sure I can. He's in deep cover, deep, deep cover. Now, um, he said some extraordinary things about the, the Green New Deal, an obvious, obvious conspiracy, the Green New Deal, to ensure that life on Earth is viable in 100 years' time, but what's in it for me as a consumer? Um... He said this, this Machiavellian scheme by the, 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 the environmental lobby. They want to take your pickup truck. They don't. They just want to make it more sustainable and cheaper. <laughs> Quite generous, really. They want to rebuild your home. Again, it's a lovely offer. <laughs> and they want to take away your hamburgers. They want to steal hamburgers from the mouths of Americans. That's what the Green Lobby wants to do. And he said these extraordinary words. This is what Stalin dreamed about, but never achieved. I mean, that is one of the most extraordinary... Out of all the bullshit that has been spouted over the last two years, I think we might have a winner. Co-host video time, uh, but not any co-host. It is, in fact, a Bugle former co-host. Uh, do you want to know who it might be? Let's find out. Hello, Buglers. There it is. Um, there it is, Sergeant Splitter himself, the, uh, the Benedict Arnold of the 21st century. Um, uh, there is communing with you, Buglers. Look at that. Look, a pure spiritual joy. Uh, and his, uh, for those who have not listened to the Bugle, I did the Bugle for about eight years with John Oliver. Uh, he sadly had to retire from Bugle duty back in 2015. Uh, because he didn't have time for it anymore, because, uh, well, sadly, things have not been going too well for John, and um, <laughs> he uh, had enough time. to had to quit comedy entirely, in fact, and settle down and get a regular nine-to-five. He's working as, a, working as an accounts clerk from Manhattan Delivery Firm. Anyway, let's uh, see what he's uh, got to say. Um, I'm sorry I can't be there. Um... That, look how sorry he is. That's his, uh... <laughs> oh, have you ever seen a sorrier pair of eyes than that? Oh, that's sorry indeed. I don't know where I've been uh, these last few years either. Um, the, the honest answer is, I just don't know what to make fun of. The world seems to be going really well. 
so I hope you have a wonderful time there. Um, please watch The Lion King this year. <laughs> he can't help it. He can't help plugging his films. He's all about the big screen. Is it going to be less shit than your other films, John? I would see that, Andy. Um, but the beauty about setting a low bar is it makes it almost catastrophically difficult not to clear it. <laughs> <laughs> it's me and Beyonce. You like Beyonce, don't you, Andy? <laughs> I'm a bird. Portland, uh, it's been a delight uh, coming here. Uh, I love this venue. It's a terrific venue. Do continue to... Uh, to support it, thanks very much for, for having me to the uh, Alberta Rose. Uh, any any final questions? Puns. Puns. <laughs> it is five forty a.m. Puns. Puns can be fatal at five forty a.m. Give the people what they want, Andy. Okay, Go all on. right. Well, since you ask, um, well, uh... God knows Americans have never voted against their own self-interest. <laughs> Um, well, um, since I was here in Oregon, um, um, I was thinking of the, I thought maybe they might be pretty un-oregonal. Un- uh, um, so I'm sorry they're a bit derivative. Um, I had a dog from Oregon once, actually, uh, a rescue dog. One of his legs was much shorter than the other three. And try as he might, he couldn't get all his feet onto the ground. He couldn't get his port-a-land. Port-a-land. Anyway, uh, Mate of mine said, yes, I go on a boating trip while I was here. No way, I said. Uh, I don't know where to hire boats. Anyway, I don't even know how to sail them. <laughs> Sorry about these puns. Uh, but when you feel them, you can't, you can't stop it. I was born this way. It's in Eugene's. <laughs> anyway, I was uh, travelling through the state reading a novel, legal thriller. Um, who, uh, Gresham. Uh, read it. Um, Gresham. Um, and I bumped into the male sibling of the uh, former uh, Democratic presidential candidate from 2016, uh, Hillsborough. Um, <laughs> anyway, he was disgusted by uh, Donald, uh, what Donald Trump said during that campaign. He said, it's awful what he'd said about women. I can't belie- believe that he used the word pussy. He should have said beaver to not cause quite so much offence. Um, don't know why I'm bothering me. This I must be going must be going round the bend. Um, <laughs> no, I decided to kayak down Oregon's biggest rivers and bodies of water. <laughs> I hoped on the way to meet uh, all my favourite three American talk show hosts: uh, Oprah, Jerry, and Ricky. I bumped into Oprah and Jerry at a campsite, uh, and I thought, if I can find Ricky, I will have met all three of them. <laughs> Anyway, um, five days in, no luck. I thought I'll drown my sorrows in ale. I went to a bar for a pretty glum beer. Glum, glum beer, glum beer. And I was just about to shoot some pool. When out the window I saw her. There she was, Ricky Lake, counting, uh, counting um, up uh, the little edible shelled creatures in the water so she could get the right number for her chowder. It was impressive. Her clam math was amazing. Anyway, we got... We got quite friendly, so I decided to send them uh, all some of my favourite blues music. I sent uh, Muddy Waters to Winfrey. I sent some Buddy Guy to Springer and, I, and some Robert Crater Lake. Crater Lake. <laughs> and there we are. Those are my Oregon puns. Um, thank you.
Right, that is now the official end of this gig. Um, it has been an absolute delight uh, coming to the Alberta Road. Please show your appreciation for Alice Fraser. She's um, you know, get some sleep. I'm switching you off. Bye. Good night. Thank you. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.